are y'all feeling? Stuff from lunch, not too tired, right? I put my hair in a bun. I'm so much more comfortable now. Whew. Although um, my friends at home, they're like, you're going to do your hair, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'll curl my hair. So what did I do? Emily, do my hair, please. <laughs> Roll it. I'm just not one of those girly girls. I want to be, but I was a basketball player, not a cheerleader. Any sports girls in here? All right. I like that. That's awesome. In Texas, it would only be like cheerleaders yelling. Anyway. Oh, okay. I mean, I lo we love cheerleaders. I mean, we should always love cheerleaders, right, to encourage us. I'm, um, I'm thrilled that uh, for me as the speaker, I'm on my last session because I'm about to tell you just what the Lord has done in my life. But I'm also just um, sad knowing that after this evening, you guys or ladies are leaving not knowing when you're going to gather again. And so my prayer is that this time we'll just prolong it as long as Julia let us stay in here and we'll just, yeah, take our time. I'll go real slow. Y'all just, you know, keep giving me those amens and I'll keep going, I think. Um, ladies in the chapel, I, I know that you're not in here with us, but we want to say that we love you and um, we hope that you are being encouraged in one another and those that are on social media, I'm sure you're maybe way more cozy than us, but um, we're thankful that you're joining us, and I'm thankful for Sally. Um, don't know you, but I love seeing your name and that you're posting everything that I say to keep all the girls in line on there, so keep doing that, Sally. Thank you for that. <laughs> Y'all know Sally? Thank you, Sally. <laughs> As I was asked, like I had said on the first session about six weeks ago, um, to, you know, kind of re-scratch what I had been working on all year, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's Julie and Megan's fault. Um, it, it was out of so much love and care for each of you and just knowing where we were and the year took us. I mean, when we originally planned, we had no clue. We had no clue. And although Walking Worthy would have been an excellent topic, it just isn't impactful as what we're talking about this weekend and, and meeting you exactly where you are. And so, but what I also didn't really realize, and when I heard them, and I was like, absolutely, like, of course, like, my yes was, like, immediate because it totally makes sense, and you could hear the love and the care they had for each of you. I didn't really realize how hard that was going to be for me. And so um, I don't know if I would have said no at that point, but here's what I can tell you is over six weeks as I went from a blank piece of paper and really just going to the Lord to say, what does this look like? Um, it was a struggle. Like, I'm not going to stand up here. And I mean, I teach Bible studies all the time. I've, you know, I teach my counseling class all the time. And so it's not the teaching piece. It was really the lesson prep to write three full 50-minute lessons at that to um, uh, in six weeks on top of my current workload. So in the first couple of weeks, we kind of narrowed down the new name and the idea, and, um, and just, you know, my husband was very encouraging. He's a pastor, and so he was very encouraging to kind of help me 
do this, but as the three lessons developed, this lesson that we're about to do was the one that always just kept falling short for some reason. And about a couple weeks ago, I printed out my lessons and I called my girlfriend. We always meet at 8 o'clock because that's when her little ones are asleep. And so I'll go to her house and we'll just have some sister time. And anybody who's Operation Sisterhood followers, it's Paula. And she's the girl who helped me uh, launch the, the ministry there. But um, I, I was like, I'm just going to read these lessons and, y- and you time me and you take notes and you let me know what's missing and what, did, what was confusing and what did I not do. And so I'm so encouraged because I've been working really hard the last couple weeks and got these lessons in place and I'm feeling really good about it. And so we go through the lessons and I'm like, okay, well, how did I do? What, what was, you know, what, what's your questions? And we talked through that. And I'm like, okay, well, where was I at on time? And she's like, um, 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, no, like, seriously, we can laugh now, but I cried. I bawled. 12 minutes? I had just worked so hard. I had all this, where is that 12 minutes? Like, did I just do too fast or what? I don't know. But what that told me, though, I'm two weeks from coming here. Uh Uh-oh, like, I've got to get to work. But as I went back to the lesson, and and, and obviously the Lord over the last week or so, um, you know, typically I would like my lesson prepped so I could rehearse it, right, and kind of get it down in a way that I'm not so, like, crutched to my notes, if that makes sense, as you've kind of seen me this weekend, but the, the fruit that came out of it was not just the word that the Lord had for you, but it was also just my encouragement and my walk and my growth as a believer. I don't want to stand in, he- in front of you and think, you to think like, oh, this just like flowed out. You know how like you watch the movies and there's these cute little ladies with their glasses and they're like writers and they have this beautiful background with their computers and it's just typing away. Like that's what I thought it looked like, but it's not. It's like tears and like... I mean, at night, early in the morning, as the Lord gives you a new message and a word, and you're just throwing it on the sheet and praying that it all comes together. And it was what dawned on me when I went back the second time of what I, where I was falling short and what I was missing is this piece of the Holy Spirit. There's a huge piece of this whole process that I was reminded that I'm sharing this with you in all transparency and vulnerability of realizing that I was trying to do this in a lot of ways in my own ability and not realizing that it's God's ability through me. And I think that as I'm sharing this about the lesson, there's other ways that this plays out in my life. And I would assume that there's ways that that applies in your own life. And so my encouragement to you is to take those hard looks into your life to say, how am I being dependent on my own ability versus God's ability through me? Lord, reveal that to me. Help me with that. And, and oftentimes, if we didn't say these big yeses that seem impossible to accomplish, because it would have been so much easier for me to pick up the phone and say, like, can Laura or Tara teach? <laughs> Is what I really wanted to do. I would have missed out on the growth that God had specifically for me. But then obviously through that, hopefully how this message has impacted you individually and at home. So we're going to end our time together this evening. Is this considered night for y'all? It's like what? Like 5 o'clock my time, right? Something like that. So we'll say afternoon. (laughs) 
Okay, we're going to wrap up this afternoon. Um, when I teach my Bible studies, I teach on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday morning the same lesson. And I have this thing with the girls when I come in on Wednesday morning, I always say tonight. And they get so mad at me. They're like, it's morning. It's morning. And I'm like, tonight we're going to, and they're like, no, it's morning. So anyway, y'all have, y'all do not care about that. Okay. <laughs> so nourished through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. How are we nourished through the Holy Spirit? We've discussed how we're refreshed by God the Father and satisfied in Jesus Christ. So now our third distinct role of the Trinity, we're going to focus on how to be nourished through the Holy Spirit. So what does nourished mean? mean? It means to promote the growth of, to sustain, maintain, support. How does the Holy Spirit provide nourishment? To promote the growth of, to sustain, to maintain, and support. So just like we did a little Jesus 101, let's do a Holy Spirit 101 real quick. The Holy Spirit is God's agent. So at the point of salvation, we receive the Spirit, which then places us as believers into the body of Christ. This is important because there's additional beliefs there on the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to know that when point of salvation, we receive the Spirit, which then places us as believers into the body of Christ. We are sealed, which not only identifies us as God's, but it serves as a promise of God's future, full, redemptive work for us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us bringing the peace and the comfort that we so desire. We are secure and protected knowing that it's not something that can be lost because it's something that's given. It's new life. You can't lose it. Grieve it, but we're sealed. It's our promise of God's future full redemptive work for us. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. Sometimes things that we don't like that the Holy Spirit does, but all is so good in a way that we should welcome conviction because it gives us that red alert that we're out a line of God's will. And we, 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 we want to be in line with God's will. The Holy Spirit also brings transformation of the heart and is the producer of new life. The Spirit provides freedom and transforms us to look more like Jesus. We love the Holy Spirit, don't we? Like, think about all that he does for us. So let's dig in a little bit more to bring understanding of three different ways the Holy Spirit works in your life. And all of these are kind of intertwined and they link together. But I want to bring, like, distinction so we can kind of wrap our arms around how this actually impacts you and the way that you walk as a believer. So our number one point in red, is he teaches and counsels. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture and the illuminator of Scripture. The importance of illuminating Scripture is that we don't have the capacity or the ability to understand God's Word. So ultimately, the real teacher is the Spirit. It's important to know that. How often do we try to go to the Bible and lean on our own understanding, right? 
but we don't have that capacity and ability to understand. So remember, the real teacher is the Spirit. He teaches us truth. He gives us wisdom. And he opens our eyes so we can understand. He guides us through our own conscience and helps us to retain the truth and bring it into remembrance when needed. In Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, what do we see here? The word of God is the sword of the spirit, which is part of our armor. And notice that it's the only offensive weapon. Everything else in the armor is defensive. And I'm going to show you an example of how it's actually used in a little bit. But the spirit within us teaches us the truth, which in return gives us the most powerful weapon to fight our battles. Think about that. The sword of the spirit, the word of God, one of the most important weapons for us to fight our battles, to walk through what we're walking through, to help promote the growth of, which is what nourish means. In Fort Worth, Texas, which is where I live, I live closer to Fort Worth in Dallas, there's this place that's uh, called the, um, the U.S. Bureau. I don't even know what it's called, but it's where engraving and printing. There you go. It's where money's made. That's easy. And so what's interesting is they let schools kind of come and, and do, I don't even know, do y'all have one of those in Oregon? Okay. So they let schools come, and so kids can come on buses, or you can take your family, and you go, and you, like, look, and you get to see the money being made, which is really cool. And, um, and then they'll show, like, how they um, – determine how what bills are fake and so they have in the lobby like the kind of a comparison game where they'll show a, you know a real bill and a fake bill and then the kids kind of get to compare and see what's fake because people are obviously always trying to create fake money right but what I thought was really interesting that I learned that I took away that really impacted me on then how I related it to the truth was the fact that you get to meet the people who are currently as as they have to almost create new things to add to new money so it doesn't get copied or become counterfeit. Um, be, and they have to do it quickly because as quickly as they add new elements, other people figure out how to do it, right? So they have to be really diligent in, in determining that and what new looks like. And so one of the things that they talk about when you're there and you get to watch a video is how do they know that a bill is counterfeit? And so instead of them doing the comparison game like our kids did when they toured the facility, what these men and women do is they study the bill, the real bill, so much and so well that they don't have to compare. When they see the counterfeit bill, they immediately know that is fake. That's not real. And what I loved about that thought process was how that should relate to us on God's word. How do we study it and know it so well, not in our own ability, but through the Holy Spirit, that when anybody says anything contrary to God's word, we know, nope, that's not true. That's fake. That's not the truth of God's word. 
because the Spirit teaches us the truth so when we're tempted or when we're weak, we can know that we have his counsel with us. Let's look at an example in the Bible now together. Matthew chapter 4. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. And let's look how this actually plays out so it's not just something Sean is saying. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. We want to see how this plays out in real life with Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 is what we're going to read. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Let me pray really quick. Lord, I pray that as we're now opening your word and we're reading these scriptures, that you will, Holy Spirit, allow us to, to understand it, to learn it, to know it. Lord, I pray that you protect my words now, that I say nothing contrary to your word. Lord, I pray that you just open up our um, hearts to, to learn more about you, Lord, that you'll teach us and counsel us now, Spirit. I pray for our, our ears to be open and our eyes to see, Lord, the word that you have for each of us specifically. Lord, we ask this in your son's name. Amen. Starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, if we're driving, I would like hit the brakes on this one. Like, er, wait, he was led up by the Spirit hmm. into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And here we have the enemy temptation number one. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by the bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when Jesus starts us out by man, he's letting us know here that it's the son of man, like he is the man. This is Jesus being tempted. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Temptation number two. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, and he said to him, temptation number three. And all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. What do we see here? It is written. How did Jesus conquer the enemy here with the word of God when he was weak and he was being tempted he he defeated the enemy with the truth of God's word 
The enemy knows who God is. He's not denying God. So again, we must know the truth through the Holy Spirit so well that when we're tempted, when we're weak, we can say, no, for it is written. God's purpose of testing, though, because he was led by the Spirit, right? It's to strengthen obedience towards his will. So we're not saying here that you're not going to be tempted. But when God, or you're not going to be tested, let me correct myself, you're not going to be tested. But when you are, that's going to strengthen your obedience towards his will. Satan's purpose is to sabotage God's will. What God uses to test, the enemy uses to tempt. Jesus exposed Satan and his tactics. He defeated Satan because, and because of this victory, we can have victory from the tempter. This, these 10 verses that we just read, is so vital in your walk as a believer Revealing so much to us and knowing that Jesus conquered Satan as a man by the power of the Spirit and by the Word of God. And guess what's available to you? The power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So how are we measuring what the world says and what the truth says? How do you know what's false? Well, you have the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth. So the application here, the fill in the blank, which is in the green, application is learning God's word. This provides nourishment for us because God's word provides us nourishment. We can trust that the Spirit will never guide us contrary to God's word, and we can rest knowing that the word will radically transform and renew us. The Spirit teaches us and provides counsel so we know the truth. All right, point number two. The Holy Spirit, he intercedes. Intercedes. I-N-T-E-R-C-E-D-E-S. The Holy Spirit knows our hearts and minds. He sees our inabilities and our weaknesses. It's essential to pray at all times in the Spirit. We are to be diligent and devoted in prayer. Write that down. We are to be diligent and devoted in prayer. And if those two D words aren't enough, put comma to eliminate distractions. To have disciplined and dedicated time with the Lord. We are to be diligent and devoted in prayer. To eliminate distractions. And to have disciplined and dedicated time with the Lord. You got it? Diligent and devoted in prayer. Eliminate distractions and have disciplined and dedicated time with the Lord. And this statement doesn't come with 
so many excuses I hear in counseling on why this isn't happening. But here's a quote that pricks my heart all the time. John Piper says, one of the the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. In our weakness, the Spirit intercedes for us, and he guides us to pray with right motives. He motivates, he enables our prayers, and he helps to align our desires with God's will. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the privilege and the power to pray. That's a great one to write down, too. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the privilege and the power to pray. Think about that. Yes, we can just talk to God, but, but like, and casually throughout the day, of course, be in relationship with him in that way. But do you ever just sit and realize that like, you're not just praying to anyone? You're praying to the God we just talked about on Friday night. And the only reason why you can pray to him is because what Jesus Christ did, to you, did for you that we talked about this morning. So you're refreshed by God, you're satisfied in Jesus, and now you're nourished of the Holy Spirit, and you have the, op- the privilege and the power to pray because of him. Think about that when you complain. That's empty and it's falling on deaf ears, but the Lord is more than willing and able to fulfill our unmet needs. He knows everything we need. So instead of complaining, tell the Lord your husband's troubles. Instead of complaining, tell the Lord of your financial issues. Instead of complaining, tell the Lord your scheduling challenges and your job struggles. And know that when you're telling him that, that the spirit is interceding for you. So ladies, that provides us nourishment because prayer is crucial in our lives for seeking wisdom and strength. The Holy Spirit is our powerful guide who teaches us the truth and helps us to actively apply it to our lives. We're not on our own. And we're called to pray without ceasing. Have you been on your knees lately? We need to remember the important role the Holy Spirit plays in our spiritual growth. Be dependent on him. Pray for wisdom, retention, discernment, disciplined consistency to abide in him. There's a lot of practical things we'll do in our life to change certain things. Well, financial, let's make a budget. My marriage, let's go to counseling. My, my uh, disciplined prayer time or devotional, I'm going to schedule it on my calendar. But are there things like that that are practical cues and they're good things, but are you still relying on your own strength? We need to pray and we need to walk in dependence of the Spirit. That's what transforms our hearts. 
We pray because the Holy Spirit is advising us, convicting us, exhorting us, comforting us, strengthening us, and interceding for us. Oh yeah, and encouraging us. That is how we will be nourished spiritually, which is your application point, praying God's word. Let's not open our Bibles ever again without praying for the Holy Spirit to teach us, to counsel us, to intercede for us. Whew. That's already five minutes. So we have in point number three. He empowers us. The Holy Spirit is the agent of righteous living, and he gives the believer the ability to obey Scripture. He empowers us to obey and live by it. He's not just going to teach us and counsel us. He's not just interceding us. He even empowers us to obey it. <laughs> I mean, we, we are without excuse. can't walk out of here and say I can't do it anymore the Bible reveals that the spirit works on the mind and the heart of the believer meaning you can't separate the renewed mind of a believer with the work of the spirit upon it the spirit is always guiding us in God's will and will never lead us towards sin he brings about conviction of sin through God's word and we should then be quick to repent and not grieve the Holy Spirit the Spirit was given to us as a helper. Get that really big. He is our helper. This assists us as believers to obey Jesus' commandments. And when I say obey, because I, I think I have some young ones watching us, I want you to understand that obedience, not in a way like, ugh, I have to do that. But obedience is not optional. It is the evidence of our love for him. You either got, you got three motives for obedience. You have to. So like a slave, if he doesn't, he'll be punished. Or defensive driving. You have to do it. Maybe we need to. You either have to, you need to, like an employee works, maybe not out of enjoyment, but because he needs the paycheck to provide for the family or kids' college or whatever. But the third one is because we want to. This is where we as Christians should be, that we want to obey our Heavenly Father due to the relationship being one of love. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't say if you love me, worship. If you love me, read the Bible. If you love me, go have coffee with your sister. Those are all really great things. We're not going to take away from that. There's other scripture, 100%. We need to do that. 
but I want you to see the importance of what the scripture is saying. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So let me point this back out one more time, and you can write it down if you need to remember it. But obedience is not optional. It is the evidence of our love for him. By your obedience, the Lord will know our love. And that brings in light the importance of our obedience. You can't walk out of here and say, oh, I didn't know any better. But here's the deal. He doesn't leave us hanging. It's not just obey. He gives us a helper. The helper of the spirit that dwells within us. Even if our motive is want to, our flesh makes it impossible for us to obey. Okay, so even if you have a a heart motive of I want to, which is where we want to be, your flesh still doesn't allow you to do it on your own. You need to be dependent of the helper. He enables us to put to death the old nature and produce the Spirit's fruit in us that's the new nature. So the fruit of the Spirit that you're used to teaching your kids, that's actually something you should pray for. Are you actually asking the Spirit, give me more of this. Help enable me to put to death my old nature so I might be more like Christ. Or are you letting your circumstances dictate your actions? Don't let your circumstances dictate your actions. Living a faithful and fruitful life is only possible because the Holy Spirit empowers us to grow in Christ-likeness. The good news of that is it's possible. And living a faithful and fruitful life isn't based off of how well your life looks from a worldly standpoint. We are to suffer like Christ. We don't have to wait until the healing comes. I remember how much relief that provided me when I walked through three plus years of depression. Where my husband was pulling my arms up and and dragging me to in the shower just because taking a shower was actually my win for the day. I got to a point in my life where I was praying for me not to feel this way, and I didn't get it. I loved my life. I, lo- I loved everything about my life. But there was something physically going on with me that it was just a deep despair. And I prayed all the time and even had people in my church say, oh, you just don't have enough hope. Yeah, I do. I, I know what God's hope is. So here's what it came down to is I I know and believe that God can bring healing. I do know that. I know I can the one, instant healing just like that. I know that can happen. But right now I'm to endure this and I don't know for how long. So there I got to walk in faith. Right? We just tied in the first two. But here's how I was dependent on the Holy Spirit directly that applied to me if this relates to anybody 
is every day in the moment of the depression, I ask myself two questions. Lord, what are you teaching me through this? And second, how can I glorify you through this? And those were the two things that I focused on and with the help of the Holy Spirit made the most of the day the gift of life that God gave me. So a faithful and fruitful life, when you hear those words, don't picture a worldly type circumstance. Through my depression, I learned to be faithful and fruitful despite how I felt. Within the sanctification process, the Spirit is working in and through the obedience of the believer. Quit trying to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. It's not making it about what we do or don't do. We get to walk the talk through the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So my last plea is for us to have love for the Lord that causes us to deny ourselves. That's a prayer for you. Pray that for yourself. Lord, may I have a love for you that causes me to deny myself. That's going to take you surrendering your preferences and taking up the cross to follow Jesus continually, daily walking through the small duties that seem seamless and distasteful, but also those big trials and tribulations that happen in our life. A lot of of us are going through that right now. But here's what we need to realize, that it's not about us, but about him. Paul shared with the church and let them know, like, am I not weak? Sharing his suffering. But what was the purpose of that? It wasn't for them to feel sorry for him. It was for them to see what he was doing for the sake of Christ. So I want you to lay down your preferences. It's about your obedience. That is what's going to bring peace and nourishment. That's how we're nourished to the Holy Spirit. Realizing who he is, what he does for you, and living differently according to it. Remember what we talked about, the Holy Spirit, literally the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power living in you. Your flesh is weak, but God is not. And in your weakness, he is strong. So your third application there is obeying God's word. I don't know how more practical I can get 
learning God's word, praying God's word, obeying God's word in a way that it's not me or your pastor or your counselor or your parents telling you this. This is your own conviction, your own time with the Lord, your own love for him that stirs your affections towards him where you want to deny yourself and, and take up his cross, that you'll suffer for his sake, that even despite your depression, you ask questions of how can I glorify you? Despite the things that's going on COVID and the silly decisions that some people's governors make, that you are full of love for the Lord, that it doesn't matter. As a biblical counselor, I'm a how-to girl, so I'm going to leave you this afternoon with three practical ways to apply what you've learned this weekend. You got your pen ready? So as you reflect on God's word daily with prayer, three practical ways that I think that you could apply this. And, and I'm going to go even further in counselor mode. Get you a three by five index card and write this on there and stick it in your Bible or on your car mirror or on your mirror where you get ready every morning or whatever you got to do. Wherever that, get it in your face. Write it on five index cards and put it all throughout your house. But I think these are three things that are really important for us to just remember to stir our heart towards the Lord. And the first one is revere. We need to revere God the Father. R-E-V-E-R-E. -E -E, reverence. We need to be in awe of his attributes and who he is. Some of you knew those attributes, some of you didn't. Write those down. Pray over them. Write scriptures all about who God is on a, in a prayer journal and make that a part of your adoration for him before you even ask him for anything. Get your heart posture in a way of knowing like who you're praying to and the promises that he's given you. Use Isaiah 41.10 that we did where he says he'll strengthen you and help you. He's with you. There's none like him. He is at work. He is in control. He is good. He is sovereign. Think about these things starting your morning like that. It's like, get me fired. Where's those cheerleaders? Get us fired up. Send me a Marco Polo. Our heart posture should reflect our reverence that he is God and we are not. Our physical posture being face down before him, on our knees, understanding of who we are and who he is. Part of that adoration of those incommunicable attributes and why that's important, the incommunicable attributes 100% are important. That's our inward character that we're growing in Christ-likeness. Pray for that inward beauty. But one of the things I love so much about adoration is when I can be in awe of God, it puts in perspective of really who I am knowing that there's so much work that's within me that he's doing and it's not my work. 
So revere is your first one. Your second practical way is rely on Jesus Christ. Read about him. Look at his life. How did he interact with the sinners and the saints? There's a new book that just came out called Gentle and Lowly that reveals Jesus' heart. See how he spoke in the parables he told. How did he serve? How did he love? This will show you how to live and interact with others. Knowing this, you'll know how you can rely and trust in him because of your faith. And if you forget what faith and the trusting part is, think of that parachute, putting your life in the hands of Christ, relying on him with everything fully, simply, without reservation. Surrender trying to rely on your own strength and rely on him. Trust in Jesus. Rely on him. Look at his life. How did he interact with sinners and saints? How did he speak in the parables? How did he serve? How did he love? Use that to stir on how you love others. All right, number three, rest in the Holy Spirit. Does your pastor use like three R's, three P's and all that? Okay, good. So I'm, so tell Pastor Justin I did it again. Rest in the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are living with part of the Godhead living in us, working for us, interceding for us, helping us, guiding us, praying for us. I mean, <laughs> that's something I want to remind myself every single morning. That is how I get rest. Because of this is how we're able to have peace. I think our culture, here's one, a one-liner that totally resonated with me from my husband, is we can work all week and then rest on Sunday. So we, we work for rest, and we need to work from rest. So put that down, work from rest, not for rest. We rest in the Lord. We go to him, and then through that, we're able to live out horizontally. We don't work, 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 and then, okay, I'll spend time with you. I'm work, 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 get my schedule, and then I'll fit you in for 20 minutes a day. That's not being in relationship with him. I always uh, tell, tell my sisters in Christ that we don't, we don't draw the L this way. We draw the L this way. We go to the Lord. What's your will? What do you have for my life? Let me rest in you and who you are and what you've done and what you've accomplished and, and your will, not my will. And I lay it down. I surrender to you. And then through that, I now can walk it out. Work from rest, not for rest. Don't work and then chill in retirement. Your attorney, your retirement and eternity is good. You're good. So as we close together, 
I pray that you walk away after this weekend having greater strength by being refreshed by God the Father, satisfied in Jesus Christ, and nourished by the Holy Spirit. We can't neglect our sister time. Find out where your sister is hurting, where she's struggling in these three parts. Where does she need to revere better, rely or rest better, and how do we encourage? The Lord didn't put in his word over a hundred one another scriptures for us just to stay alone. I mean, just call it for what it is. And I understand we wrestle with insecurity and rejection and fear and I get it. That's part of my heart of why I started Operation Sisterhood is I was reading papers and getting to know women in counseling and Bible studies and I could not believe the consistency I heard over and over again of how our fears of rejection and insecurity and all these things were hindering us from asking a sister just to go to coffee or lunch. And I finally said, enough. The way that the Lord describes fellowship in Scripture is for us to live in sisterhood and as a body differently. So let's take that truth and actually connect to your sister and realize that even in our conflict, if, if me and my sister disagree, instead of walking away from that or a church burn or all these other things that makes me want to say it's easier to leave, you know what? You're actually missing out on the growth that God has for you. When we work it out, we learn humility and patience. We love how to love the unlovable. I help people out with that all the time. Loving the unlovable. Not really. Y'all should have laughed at that. Like, hello. Whatever. Uh, it's, it's my heart cry because I just, you know, my, my, uh, my boss at, at ABC, I, I love him dearly, and he's a licensed counselor. And so, I mean, obviously a lot of the, most of the things I teach out of Bible studies is counseling stuff. And he says all the time in front of our counselors, being a licensed counselor, that it's going to become, he goes, this, he, it, there's going to come a day where my license is taken away, and I need the church to be ready. That's what he's saying on biblical counseling, right? Well, ladies, if, if a year like this, I think, if anything, it's revealed to us that we need to be ready. We need to be strong. We need to be in unity of same mind. Please, I desperately plead with you to not take what you've learned and tuck it in somewhere that you're not looking at it. Like, find these truths that, that stood out to you specifically and get it in your face every single day and connect to your sister and help each other continue to grow. I say that with love. I know that that's the prayer and the heart cry of your women's team. And hopefully it will stir discussion as y'all review your reflection questions now. Let me pray. Lord, it's so hard for me to end right now. It's like, did I say enough? But Lord, one of the things you've taught me is this, this isn't about me or my ability to, to deliver this word. You've given me so much just even now in this moment, encouragement to help remind me that it's your work in them. 
Lord, you know exactly what's been on the minds of the girls that they've listened to these messages this weekend. You know what's going on at home. You know what's going on in their family. You know what's going on at work and their bank accounts, their hearts. And Lord, I pray, I know out of 250 women among the two groups in Facebook, Lord, there's sin in this room. Lord, I pray that you bring conviction right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that in that conviction that you draw them to you. You remind them that in confession of our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive. Lord, I pray that our love for you as we look vertical first before we walk out horizontal, that Lord, from our love for you, we our heart's cry is to be obedient to your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have given each of us the Holy Spirit. Lord, the fact that you have given us everything we need and you continue to supply, you supply to us the littlest details. I pray, Lord, that it's, that it's our prayer every day to learn more, to listen to you. What are you teaching us? And Lord, help us to see how we can glorify you in it. Lord, may these women be a strong mighty army and force to be reckoned with in Salem, Oregon. Lord, I know it. Make it a shockwave, Lord, of just women who are mighty warriors for you, Lord, who love you and they are radiant lights, Lord. It is when it is dark and rainy and weary, as I've heard it gets here, Lord, that they are so bright when they walk into anywhere that they look different. Use them, Lord, to share your gospel or share the good news of your word. Help them to learn the truth so much that if anyone says anything contrary to who you are, to who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, Lord, they'll say, no, it is written. Lord, give them a passion for your word, a renewed desire to pray. Lord, help them to look at every single detail of their life and pray for the Holy Spirit to help them be more dependent on him, to make any change, realign anything that needs to be aligned according to your will. Help them to be a support to their husbands, to their children, to their sisters, to the church, Lord. Use us, use us, Lord, to glorify you, to serve you in a mighty, mighty way. Lord, thank you for the work that you've done in me, and thank you for choosing and using me in this particular assignment. All the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name.